0: What if I told you that there's a cure for chronic pain? Yes, for that pain, you were told you would just have to manage. And what if I told you that that cure is already inside of you? Would you believe me? Welcome to the Let's Talk Mind Body Healing podcast, where we talk about how to truly alleviate chronic suffering. I'm your host, Felicia Jaramus, and I'm really pleased to be here with you today for episode number 16. Wow, who can believe that it's April already? What a year 2023 20, is shaping up to be. So in this episode, I talk with Suzanne Supranor, who is a certified Feldenkrais practitioner, a mind-body coach. And she also holds a PhD in theatre art. And I absolutely loved this talk with Suzanne. So we talk about the Feldenkrais method, which I'd actually never heard of uh, before this episode and before coming across Suzanne, as well as internal family systems. So Suzanne blends the two therapies together in a really powerful, powerful way. So the Feldenkrais method is really a body-based method or a way of using your body to cultivate greater awareness and greater safety in your nervous system and I'm really a big fan of body-based approaches or bottom-up approaches to calming the nervous system and to healing from mind-body challenges because... Because as I've mentioned time and time again on this podcast, I had a lot of trouble being in my body when I was dealing with the worst of my TMS issues. There was a lot of dissociation going on. So getting back into my body and cultivating that safety in my body and knowing that I'm safe in kind of... My mantra was I'm safe in this space and in my body. was something I really needed to do. So I think it depends on your... TMS how you're experiencing it but I really do encourage people to think about whether some body work is going to be beneficial for them. But Suzanne also um, blends this with the more top-down or mind based um, internal family systems work so she really does incorporate the mind and the body and the internal family systems is something that I've seen come up quite a bit and it's something that's really piquing my interest actually at the moment so um after speaking with Suzanne I went and got a whole bunch of books on internal family systems and I've been reading in this space and I think it's it's something that really resonates with my own experience in healing and my own experience in I I guess what this the the spiritual growth aspect people always talk about how you talk about you're not the same person afterwards and you're more yourself and those sorts of things you hear people repeat over and over and over again. Um, so, yeah, it's certainly something I'm going to keep learning about and something that, yeah, I'm probably going to incorporate into, into my practice, into what I do with clients when I get out there and start being a mind body, doing this mind body work with people. And one of the things I really like about it is it's actually really empowering of the individual and empowering of you to heal yourself. So I have a quote uh, from a book that I've been reading and it's called Internal Family Systems Second Edition by Richard Swartz and Martha Sweezy. And the quote is, a basic premise of IFS is that people have an innate drive toward and wisdom about their own health. We not only try to maintain steady states and react to feedback, we also strive toward creativity and intimacy. We come fully equipped to lead harmonious internal and external lives. From this basic premise, it follows that people have chronic problems because their inner resources and wisdom are not being fully accessed. Elements of the systems in which we are embedded or that are embedded within us often constrain our access to our inner resource. IFS therapy is designed to help people find and release these constraints. So yeah, I really like that aspect of it, that concept that you know, I actually have been saying this since the really start of my podcast that everything you need to heal is already inside of you. And that's um Yeah, one of the premises. But anyway, Suzanne talks about these things much better than I can at this point. I still have quite a bit of reading and learning I'd like to do in this space. So we'll get onto the episode and get onto Suzanne's amazing wisdom and all the things she has to share that that really I hope can really be quite helpful for you on your mind body journeys. Um, but before I do, I just have my quick disclaimer that I play every episode. And also a quick reminder, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram or Facebook or if you have any questions, send me a message on any of those channels or on my email. You can find the details on the show notes. And a huge thank you to Suzanne. I really, really enjoyed talking with her and I got so much out of our conversation. So I'm sure you will too. All right. I am a provisional psychologist with my PhD or my doctorate in education, but I'm not a medical doctor. So all of the content that I provide about mind-body healing in any medium, including but not limited to this podcast and my social media channels, is for informational purposes only. No content provided by me is intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice. The purpose is to promote broad understanding and knowledge of various health topics, If you choose to use any information provided by me, you do so solely at your own risk. Always seek the guidance of your doctor or other qualified health professional with any questions you may have regarding your health or medical condition. Do not embark on a mind-body healing journey until you have the clearance from your healthcare practitioner to do so, until you have discussed how to apply mind-body healing to your own individual case. The methods discussed by guests on the show are not necessarily endorsed by me. Welcome to the Let's Talk Mind Body Healing Podcast. I'm your host Felicia Jaramas, and today I'm here with Suzanne Suprano. Now did I get that right?
1: You did, well done. (laughs)
0: Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) I had to practice that one and Suzanne is a mind body healer who works at Creative Somatics work Um, and we're going to spend some time today talking about Suzanne's work and what she does and she's I find Suzanne really interesting because she does a lot of work about getting people back into their bodies and moving in their bodies Mm -hmm. again, but it's not from a place of fear. So I'll, anyway, I'll let you go on with that, Suzanne. So maybe start by introducing yourself. Tell us a little bit about what you do and.
1: Yeah. Let's see where to start. Um, Well, thank you first so much for having me. Uh, I'm so glad that you're doing this podcast and getting the word out to people about, um, yeah, just how we can recover from mind-body conditions, uh, symptoms, stress-based illnesses, whatever you want to call it. Um, So, yeah, I... um, I'm a coach, I'm a mind-body coach. Um, I also facilitate groups and, um, and teach some classes. in In all cases, the underlying, I guess, thing that I'm doing is helping people who are mm, trying to recover from mind-body symptoms. So chronic pain and other, types of mind-body symptoms. Mm-hmm. I'm helping them recover by helping them learn how to mm, turn down the danger signal. Somehow um, lots of different ways that it can happen, but their their perception uh, of of threat and danger has become outsized it's become greater than the actual uh threats in the environment so that their nervous system is mm, sort of uh turned on high if you will <laughs> in yeah, a sympathetic sort of, activation yeah, yeah permanently
0: yeah. stuck in this state of fear for Mm -hmm. many reasons yeah yeah
1: yeah and um and maybe not uh entirely permanently or maybe not always stuck but there is Ah, a lack.
0: yes right yeah I did not use great words there
1: (laughs) well but but you're you're onto something because it can really feel that way Mm -hmm. when there is a lack of resilience in the nervous system so that it feels like oh I'm always going to be stirred up in this way so Um, I help people using a number of different modalities to um, basically bring a sense of felt safety to their nervous system. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And uh, one of the ways that I do that is through, um what's called somatic awareness so becoming aware of a sensation in their body um, becoming aware of ways that they move not to fix themselves not to find a correct way to move but to generate curiosity
0: yeah because it's those the six deaths. what is it fighting fixing focusing oh there's six of them but it's those, all those yes yeah yes, when you they're... when you focus on your symptoms and trying to fix right. your symptoms and that just perpetuates them
1: yeah that um yeah I those have flown out of my head at this moment <laughs> as well so perhaps they could be in the show notes for folks but yeah. but yeah it's it's really it's it's uh fear and attention when we're afraid of our symptoms and we're constantly attending to our symptoms, either trying to get rid of them or beating ourselves up for having them or any number of ways that we attend to our symptoms, trying to alleviate them or just, yeah, all the ways that we... Uh, Yeah, focus, as you're saying, then Mm -hmm. it adds fuel to the the very symptoms that we're wishing would go away. So through my my somatic education work through the Feldenkrais method, um, I help people just get curious about sensation and and see if they can start to notice sensation either in a neutral way, or even a pleasant way. Mm-hmm. So that, um, you know, if, if our brains are on high alert, oh no, there's danger out there, you know, scanning for danger, then that that's a real pattern. And so uh, it, it takes some work to learn to scan for interest, to learn to scan for mm, even pleasure, like huh yes. that that it feels good to sit this way or it feels good to move this way we're not used to that we're we're used to scanning for ooh what hurts and so i would say one of the main things that i do is helping people shift away from that question instead of what hurts to just what do i notice what seems interesting
0: that's a really um sort of powerful observation that it, that we don't often notice pleasure
1: oh then, right that's very particularly actually, when you're yeah. in that
0: <laughs> when you're in that state though where you're in this you know you're worried about the pain or
1: right you can yeah. become so
0: fearful of your body and what's happening there that
1: oh true yeah Yep. Yep. And, you know, really, that's pain's job, (laughs) you know, is to have us be averse to that feeling. Um, but, But in the ways that we have mistakenly thought that pain was a signal of damage, then we're missing the message of pain when the, the actual message is more, this is a signal of danger. So you should stop. You should just, um, uh, do do you need to rest? Do you need to um, remove yourself from a stressful situation? Do you need to find ways to be kinder to yourself? Um, Yeah. Just being able to learn to recognize um, pain is a is a a perception it's a some people would say an opinion coming from the brain putting mm-hmm. two and two together and saying ah this this pain means that there must be damage in my body and it you know it's even in an acute injury that pain that's arising is saying oh don't walk on that sprained ankle it needs time to heal you should rest
0: yeah yeah that's exactly how pain is a messenger. It's designed to get is a to do something it yes. wants to protect you so yes. rest that foot if there is yeah
1: there or, is a de- or maybe yeah.
0: you have a pain in the neck because someone is literally being a pain in the neck exactly to it's some yes. kind of it's a yeah yeah yep
1: exactly so like this Feldenkrais method that I uh, use is Uh, a method of, like I said, somatic awareness. It's bringing Mm -hmm. people's attention to their sensation. It's named after the founder, Moshe Feldenkrais. And he would say things like "Mm, pain is a signal that, uh, it's a signal from your body that it's time for more choices
0: Oh, I like that. It's time for more choices. That one, that's fantastic.
1: Yeah. It's just time for more choices. It doesn't mean you're broken. It just means like when you, what made me think of that is when you said the pain in the neck business, you know, so like, Mm. ah, it's time for more choices. So perhaps there's some work on healthy boundaries, some some self-reflection that you need to do about how to make sure that your own needs are being met you know, or that um, you get to to speak for yourself in a way that seems important or who knows what. Um, Yeah, just Mm -hmm. time for more choices, time to examine um, perhaps how you're moving, but more likely (laughs) just how you're treating yourself.
0: Yeah, it usually is about how we treat ourselves. Yeah. That's why I think this work is so important and it can be so liberating for people actually. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah yeah Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. exactly yeah okay. so i yeah so um i i guess one other thing that i i might say is uh when i talk about somatic awareness and and the feldenkrais method um one of the ways in this mind body recovery work one one way that people hear that term somatics is uh the idea of uh um flying out of my head of uh, uh somatic tracking
0: yes somatic tracking right. or somatic experiencing that's the two associations right that's right I mean. yeah exactly yeah.
1: so so with somatic tracking uh which is really essentially what the feldenkrais method is it's getting curious about your sensation and so um when when say for the feldenkrais method you are noticing uh sensation Then, if you can uncouple fear from the noticing, Mm. then you open up a space um, where you can regard that sensation with curiosity. Mm -hmm. which is the essential component of somatic tracking. So in the Feldenkrais method, we learn to, um, you know, in, in these awareness through movement lessons, we learn to move really slowly and it's, we're not moving slowly in an awareness through movement lesson because there's a danger. Oh no, I have to move slowly. (laughs) We're moving slowly so that you can be open to more sensation. You can notice more things, right? And we Mm -hmm. also, um, move in such a way that is as pleasurable as possible. So if there would be a movement that would be uncomfortable, then in the Feldenkrais method you're just encouraged to imagine it Mm. just use your imagination so that you don't have to alarm yourself by doing a movement that would be uncomfortable
0: Mm, that sounds a little bit like graded exposure you're kind of yep exactly way into it
1: exactly yeah
0: I have about a million questions right now because the Feldenkrais method as I have said I think I've never come across before so I think that really makes what you do quite unique and quite special and oh nice um, yeah so can you tell me and I get listeners yeah who want to know more about it so what is it how does it work what could I expect during a session what would it look like what would I be doing
1: Right. Well, the Feldenkrais method, um, it's a, it's a method of somatic education, essentially, uh, some people call it neuromuscular reeducation. Um, it is a way that we learn to become better organized in our mind body connection. And, uh, we do that by moving very slowly Mm -hmm. to just uh, notice our movement. And so it's, it it might sound overly simplistic, but there are so many different ways that a human body can move that it's endless actually. Um, so it's really, some people call it a method of inquiry. I can give you an example of just if, um, if someone was to, uh, clasp their hands together, So that Mm -hmm. like when you interlace your fingers, right? So that you've got your hands clasped together. And when you do that, you notice that one thumb is on top. One thumb is closer to your face or your chest, right? So, that is the habitual way of clasping your hands together. Yes. Right. So, now if we shift and go to the non habitual way so that the other thumb is on top, then just notice what does that feel like? It feels
0: awkward. Like it doesn't. It feels very
1: strange. Yeah. yeah. And the reason it feels so strange is that you don't have a neural pathway for that. So, go back to the initial one that feels good. So you've learned to do this and it feels comfortable because you have a neural pathway for this. And if you go then to that awkward way, the Mm -hmm. other way, that's just um, we don't we don't have a place in our brain that says this is clasping your hands together in this Mm -hmm. way. So, and so if you want to yeah, undo your hands if that feels weird, but basically <laughs> I <we'll, like> that. <laughs> we'll, yeah, it's great. If we kept doing this in and out, in and out like so, by the end of the session, it would feel um much different because mm-hmm. you would have given yourself the opportunity to e- experience a new gesture, a new movement that's possible for you. And um it reminds me a little bit of the concept
0: of body maps in the brain. Yeah. And how yeah. people who have chronic pain, say you have chronic foot pain,
1: mm-hmm. the like
0: little map in your brain actually becomes fuzzy.
1: Yeah, there's a the blurriness. Foot. Yes, exactly. We call it somatic amnesia. Yeah. So, it's like you've just if you had um a, a way of moving that that you've stopped using that place in that map can go fuzzy as you say Mm. or or if you always moved a different way and so this other way which is perfectly possible and and just as effective in clasping your fingers together you just it's fuzzy in your brain because you don't have that neural pathway um so that's what we do in the the feldenkrais method is essentially go through a series of gestures each lesson focuses on a different gesture what we just did was the hand clasping Mm. and these lessons are usually somewhere from thirty to sixty minutes, and they just help people notice their sensation. Like, why would we do that? Well, because when you mm, bring curiosity and playfulness to sensation, there uh, it, it overrides or mm, gives an alternative to fear mm, judgmental uh scolding. Oh, you should be moving differently, or you mm. you should have a different body type or something. So basically the Feldenkrais method is mm, mindful movement.
0: Yeah, I was going to say it really to me it sounds a lot kind of like a moving meditation and yeah, yeah. learning how to attend to things for what they are instead of you know the one I always use is sounds if you sit there and notice how you label everything straight away without actually yes. listening to the sounds and the quality mm-hmm. of the sounds that are coming yeah. to your ears you kind of label that as good bad annoying
1: mm-hmm.
0: without actually listening to it and that reminds me it's similar you sort so of training similar. yourself to mm-hmm attend to the quality of the symptoms and what's happening rather than labeling yeah. it straight away
1: yeah because if we go back to the hand business when you when you do the non-habitual finger interlacing if the first thing that comes to our mind is "Ooh, i hate that Ooh, that's mm. bad then then we're limiting the, the the ways we can experience that but if we say oh that's so unusual and odd and i'm feeling kind of averse to that isn't mm. that interesting how odd this feels let me let me go back to the original way and then see that and just get curious about it, then a whole new way of experiencing ourselves opens up, and that can be the case with any kind of movement. We're building neural maps, and we're helping to fill in those blurred spaces. But we're also learning to turn down the danger signal because anytime we have a, a should or a shouldn't that comes up, like "Ooh, I I shouldn't be feeling this. That feels weird. I don't like it." That's that's frightening to the brain. Oh no, there's something that's, that's not right. Uh Oh, it shouldn't be that way. Mm. Right. So if we're open and curious, that turns down that judgmental quality, which naturally lowers the, the fear stakes, I
0: guess. Mm. Yeah. So I'm assuming going through this process completely changes how people relate to their their bodies
1: yes Yes. can you talk a little bit
0: more about that how the the changes you see in people
1: um well again I'll go back to uh Moshe Feldenkrais he's uh so quotable (laughs) (laughs) you know because it looks like a uh, a movement modality because people are moving and so people think it's a you know like a super slow pilates or something like that you know <laughs> <laughs> and it's like uh, a famous quote that i love is he said i'm after flexible minds not flexible bodies mm. right so it's so it's true that we're going through the body but then that's who we are. That's, that, that's how we're experiencing our life is through the body. But, but the thing that will lead us to a more adaptable, resilient um, way of experiencing ourselves in the world is having a flexible mind and how to cultivate that flexible mind is, uh, basically experiencing it in our bodies. Mm. And so what you see is people who can, uh, regulate down, regulate. If, if there's stress in their environment, they know how to calm themselves. They know how to bring curiosity to situations. They know how to be more compassionate to themselves. It really is, um, <laughs> I guess, a natural segue in just a moment to talking about the internal family systems because mm. the the qualities of self-leadership that lead to just a much more harmonious life are the same kind of qualities that are cultivated in the Feldenkrais method.
0: Mm, I think when we talk about mind-body and mind-body healing, it seems to really- yeah. You're using the body to get to the mind. It's It's
1: a real
0: mind body. Like (laughs) it really
1: is. Yeah. And um, just since I seem to be on a roll with uh, Feldenkrais quotes, one that I go back to all the time is in order to do what you want, you have to know what you do. Mm, Yes. All All right. In order to do what you want, you have to know what you do. So it, it, let's say there's someone who has chronic symptoms. Mm-hmm. And they have enough pain education that they've learned that okay, I have a turned on danger signal. It's turned on too high. My sympathetic nervous system is overly activated or I'm I'm having trouble cycling out of this sympathetic activation, fight flight if you will. Mm okay, great. So what do I do about that? You know, I I know now that my symptoms are because of the the fear and attention, but I don't know how to uh, undo that. I don't know how to turn that danger signal down in order to do what you want. You have to know what you do. So people have to start to learn how are they scaring themselves? What does it look like in the body when we're frightened because so many uh, folks with chronic symptoms, they're continually, you know, activating their sympathetic nervous system and quote, sort of scaring themselves, but they don't know it, mm. right? So if we can start to find, oh, when I'm doing this gentle gesture in the Feldenkrais lesson, I keep holding my breath. Oh, interesting. So I'm scaring myself. I can tell by, by noticing each time I've held my breath, there's a little frozen moment of, Oh, okay. So I could just start becoming aware of when I hold my breath. And that would be a starting point to get some recognition of, uh, ways in which, um my sympathetic nervous system is activated when I might not even have known it
0: Mm, I can say this is being really beneficial for people who may have had long-term symptoms as well I know for me Mm -hmm. I struggled to get back into my body I was so yeah out of my body and I didn't know as you said the ways I was scaring myself the tension I was holding and I couldn't tell you what was happening in my Anyway, my body couldn't tell you. I had no emotional barometer, no barometer of like
1: Mm -hmm. this would be so valuable for that sort of. And it really helps to befriend the body because Mm. when we've had mm, chronic pain for for a long time, you know, it can be mm, you know a persistent pain or a regular recurring pain or something. It just can be so discouraging. And, and it starts to feel like the, the, the body, if you will, is the enemy. Oh no, look at what my back is doing to me. Look at what my head is doing to me, you know? And so if we can learn to ah, just experience physical sensation without that animosity, perhaps even befriending the parts of ourselves that, um might even be using physical symptoms as some kind of a message or a way to protect us and a whole new world opens up
0: okay so there you've just segued perfectly into <laughs> internal family systems right befriending the parts of ourselves so yeah. let's go there now yeah. so can you tell oh. us a little bit about internal family systems how you integrate that
1: yeah. let's see where where to start for your listeners, internal family systems. Um, I mean, there's so many places where people could go and learn more about this from mm-hmm. uh, from folks who are m- much more, uh, you know, highly trained than I in internal family systems, but my um, what my training has done for me is given me a way to help my clients like uh, befriend parts of themselves and yeah. transform their lives. So um, I will at least, I, I, I can say um, if people want to learn more about this, to go to the um IF, ifs institute which is ifs institute.com
0: i'll put that or, link in the show notes yeah
1: well. yeah thanks and that has a number of different resources that people can follow up and some are right there on the site where they can learn more but i can say if, uh, a, a few things that i think would be helpful it's going on the assumption that we all have uh, many parts of us. So I might say, oh, gosh, Felicia, I really I really want to go for a walk. Mm. But there's this other part of me that says, no, just lay on the couch and watch Netflix. <laughs> yes, And those are and we talk like that all the time. So Dick Schwartz, Richard Schwartz, who who founded this model and developed this model, he didn't invent it. He listened to his clients who described their experience um, and, and talked about the various parts of themselves. There are many, many interviews with um with dick where you can learn more about that experience that he had but mm. so yeah that it's going on that assumption that we have parts of ourselves right the
0: the big one i think which often comes up for people is parenting because you're supposed to love being a parent
1: mm. but it's also
0: extraordinarily difficult and challenging and f- from pretty much everyone there's a part of themselves mm-hmm. that does not like being a parent and it's yeah really hard that's a great to, example yeah right. a, Mm-hmm. to To be able to admit that and like
1: yeah and atten-
0: it's, it's a conflict
1: mm-hmm. right so in the in in anything so maybe there's a job that you worked very hard to get and you get it and there's a part of you that it's not so wild about it <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like how do you attend to that part of you and the same thing with parenting or any relationship or maybe you moved so yeah we have that's one of the first premises of, of internal family systems is that we have these different parts. Now, why is it called internal family systems? Well, because Dick Schwartz was a family systems therapist and he was noticing in his clients that the parts that they referred to seemed to behave <laughs> in ways like he would have expected family members in his family therapy Mm. office to behave right right? and so this is basically what he saw in his family systems training and therapy then he's then seeing oh it's showing up internally internally Right, exactly. So like I said, uh, many good resources for for learning about uh, Dick's journey decades ago when he uh, developed this model. But it's just to say that um, we're going on the premise that there are multiple parts of ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that this is a disorder. It is how our psyche works. That being said, with all these different parts, there is an essence of us that isn't a part that is mm, what we call in IFS self
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and it's it's not a part as much as it is mm, uh, an energy uh, and some people would even liken it to the way in certain faith systems you might hear like the soul or Buddha nature or mm. highest self or guiding light or something at it, just different yeah, systems are going to call this inner essence.
0: Heard it was referred to as like your core self. As well, there you I go. Think. Core yeah. self.
1: Exactly. So different faith systems or philosophies are going to refer to it differently. But the idea is that um, there are qualities of this inner essence that we call self. And the more that we are able to access those qualities, the more that we can show up and be um, a comfort, um, a guide, a leader for these disparate parts of ourselves mm-hmm. who sometimes get pretty agitated, right? They get pretty agitated. They get pretty uh, um, activated and fearful and living in the world is hard and they need some support. And, and you look outside of yourself for that support and it doesn't follow through and it's all the more scary. And then eventually you find, oh my goodness, (laughs) it's in me. That's where the connection is. I'm I'm longing for that. My parts are longing for that's where the confidence, courage, compassion, curiosity, calm, creativity, and clarity, the the ACs as they call them in, in IFS, that's where this energy can be found. So, uh, as an IFS practitioner, what I'm doing is helping my clients learn to uh, recognize access mm, self- energy and from uh, from a place of of more and more self- energy. It's been there all along. Mm, but it's helping them mm, uh, more, more fluidly access that energy. It's from that place from that place of self, that they are able to befriend all these different parts of themselves. And just like any, just like any bully, just like honestly, uh any, I don't know, kid that's misbehaving, it's oftentimes that they're, they're scared, they're upset, they don't feel like they're being listened to, you know, that um, if there's extreme behavior of parts, once they get to know self and once they know that there is mm, someone who will uh, listen and offer understanding, then the extreme roles of these parts uh, can can be transformed and those extreme roles of these parts include <laughs> things like chronic symptoms. Mm-hmm. Right So helping people, learn to, I don't know, meet, befriend um, and create harmony amongst their parts is the, is the journey that I'm on with my clients.
0: This might be a bit of a, um, it's a bit of a side tricky question, but how does the idea of the different parts relate to the concept of the inner child? Did some of yeah. these parts come from our mm-hmm. childhood or? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, so when we are young, if there is something mm, if there's something that occurs well first of all i'm going to back up and say the the concept of the inner child is something that a number of different uh, modalities will mm-hmm. will use that sense. Right. So now we've just kind of popularized that idea of the inner yeah. child. Yeah, exactly. And so, yes, in IFS, there can be a number of parts that w- would maybe qualify of, uh, as being called mm. an inner child. Right. And, and many, if not most parts um, come into being or take on the roles that they're the, the, Yeah, the roles that they have in our systems, they take those on in childhood. So if we have, um, you know, some challenging experience as a young person, and we say have a lot of fear, a fear of rejection, uh, a, a fear of not being good enough. If we were to experience that, the, the terror of not being good enough or not being lovable. If we were to experience that fully, it could overwhelm us. And we might Mm -hmm. just be a little crying puddle in the corner, you know, (laughs) you know, and that's just, and and who can live that way. Right. So instead, when we first have that uh, fear of being abandoned, we, we push that down, we call it in IFS that that part becomes exiled.
0: Mm.
1: And there are some parts that come in protectors that keep that little exile, that inner child, if you will, they keep that exile from getting hurt again from, from others in the world that might hurt that little one, but also keep it from burbling out and overwhelming the system, you know? Mm. And so they'll these protectors will take on various roles like being defensive or being uh, a class clown or uh, any kind of a role that they can do. Any They'll try anything to keep that little one safe.
0: Mm. So it sounds like you have these kind of core hurts maybe or yeah. just experiences yeah. that are yeah. really you keep hidden because they're quite painful and you sort of these protectors do what they can to avoid that. Yep. Happening again to you or coming true again.
1: That is so true. Yep. That's it. And so like, if that was all if that's all there was, then, you know, if that was effective, it would be great. But the problem is, is that there are experiences in the world that keep re-triggering that little exile Mm -hmm. and that little exile keeps threatening to like burst out and overwhelm the system with, you know, uh, uh, crying or fears of abandonment or any number of things. Right. And Mm -hmm. so the protectors have to get more and more sort of adamant in their strategies to keep that little one safe it
0: kind of reminds me of um i just watched the other day actually um gabor mate's movie the yeah the wisdom of trauma and he was talking Mm -hmm. about how you know, when we're children, things like attachment and being loved and all those sorts of things are essential for our survival.
1: For our survival. Right. So we,
0: we depend on our attachment figures to feed us and shelter us and clothe us. And so for our kind of systems, I guess, Uh not having that attachment is literally like a threat to your survival. Those things.
1: Right.
0: Yeah. So there's so much agitation to keep them down
1: Uh uh because as a little
0: person you would have died without that
1: yes and if you um, uh, feel as a young person that that there's some mistreatment happening Mm. that uh, something that upsets you that your caregiver is 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 treating you in a way that upsets you it's too dangerous to place that blame out on the caregiver because as you say you depend
0: on them right so
1: you you turn that blame and take it on yes Yes. that's your only
0: choice as a little child
1: right because of the dependency in that Mm. age so that that turning that blame on yourself and taking on the burden as we call it in ifs of say unworthiness or something Mm. that's That's the mm, lie in the ointment. That's the, (laughs) that's the festering issue or that's the, that's the underlying pain that wants to be processed. So when the system, when our, you know, mm, psychic system has, enough, uh, is well-resourced enough, so there's enough access to self-energy, then we can befriend the protectors of that little exile. And with their permission, when the time is right, they can lead us to those little ones and say, yes, it's now it's time for them to be healed. Now it's time for their their burdens to be released. And there's a whole process for that. And, um, and I would encourage people to, you know, seek out an IFS practitioner, um, and, 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 you know, do that work with, uh, you know, in a therapeutic setting, Mm -hmm. these little ones, they want, um, yeah, they want, they want healing. They want, um, connection. They want, Mm, redemption, if you will. Mm, um everybody the,
0: wants to feel loved and safe. They do, and- they
1: do. And the only thing I would say is that like the protectors that have been working so long for so many years to keep those little ones safe, they matter. Like they have like mm-hmm. some of their tactics might look a little suspect from the outside, like, hmm, so you're you're producing migraines to keep her safe. That doesn't seem very kind, but, but the protectors always have the best intentions. Mm -hmm. They're always doing whatever they can to keep that little one safe. And so when you can befriend those protectors and say, I get it. Like these migraines, that makes sense. I get it. You are really committed on keeping that little one safe and you, you develop you know, um, the client develops a relationship with that protector, and then eventually they can work together to to heal the little ones that are that are being protected. Yeah, and, and then the migraines aren't needed. <laughs> mm, <laughs> you know, yeah, you yeah, don't need I that. Say, I think
0: it's a hard pill to swallow if you're like in the midst of a, you're having the most terrible migraines. Yep. it can be really difficult to view those protectors with, you know, love and kindness, and to see them as yep but when you do when you do see it i think when you get to the other side you go oh my god like this was serving a yeah, real purpose like, it was yeah you really do reach that point like you really can it's true become grateful for them and mm-hmm.
1: yeah and, something uh, that you just said yeah i think is important and that is that when you're in the midst of a migraine it's hard to appreciate this you know the the mm-hmm. role that this migraine producer <laughs> is, is playing, but that that's a part also the one who's angry at the part that's creating the migraines. That's yeah. a part too. So you can get to know that part. Like, uh, tell me about how frustrating it is that you're having to deal with these migraines. you know, like you, that part gets to have its, uh, say also. And so it's really about, Mm, respectfully acknowledging the role of all the different uh, parts of us and bringing curiosity and compassion to those relationships and it, again it's transformative
0: i quite like this model actually of of healing and of conceptualizing what's happening because it does yes, yeah. with my own kind of journey it it resonates with the you know there's this right. little part of you that's been really pushed down trying to get out and then once you have the resources out it comes yeah. that was how my it was it was non linear it was like i'd get mm-hmm. like an explosion of something yes. and then <laughs> it, my system would calm and then in a little while when i obviously had the resources it, something else would come gurgling up and then yeah the system would calm a little bit more it, it really does it's a great model for yeah conceptualizing yeah. what's happening
1: yeah. And, um, you know, uh, hats off to, to, to Dick Schwartz and the, the many, many folks in his, uh, early days of, of putting this model together that, um, that we're able to, yeah, develop these protocols for this, uh, for this healing work. It's really, it's really remarkable.
0: Mm, it really is. Yeah. So how do, yeah. how do you integrate the two, the movement and the internal family systems with people? Is it sort of separate? Do they, if they come to you one-on-one, do they do it together?
1: Yeah. um, uh, I think, I, I think I look at it a little more holistically than that. Like um like if i were to sit down with you then um and i would i might ask like what what parts are up today if you know if we already had been doing some parts work or or i might say like so so what uh what's going on with you today that you would like to um talk about or address or whatever and 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 maybe you are feeling i don't know some Anxiety about something that's coming up soon, or maybe you're feeling some irritation about a relationship. Who knows what? Just Mm -hmm. anything that might come up. So we agreed that that's where we're going to to do a little work today. And then the first question I would ask is, okay, where do you notice that in your body? body. Yeah,
0: Yeah, right.
1: So it seems like oh, we're going off in an IFS place but immediately it's actually a somatic place in the yeah. body, mm. in the body. Yeah. And then, like, yeah. Can we bring uh, attention and how do we do that? How do we bring sort of a, a uh, an open hearted curiosity to sensation in the body and just Notice, oh, I feel it here in my chest, and oh, it's kind of like tingling out towards my shoulders or whatever it might be, and just noticing that and being there with that sensation. Mm, and uh and then I might ask, you know, so how are you feeling towards that sensation in your chest? You know, if you're like, I hate it, it feels awful. Great, then we can deal with the part that hates that sensation, you know. That's another, mm-hmm. that's another. Mm, uh, part that gets to feel the way that it does Mm. so i guess i don't separate the two
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense yeah Yeah. Yeah, they're
1: really they're just integrated in every uh, question and every next Mm. step is all
0: they do blend so well together so i don't think there really is a way to separate them they do yeah when you're doing one you do the other right
1: right yeah, I um, uh, I was um, I was working with a uh, client recently who um, we were looking at uh, offering her some ways to connect with parts that she's been working with when she was in a particular uh, particularly stressful environment right Mm -hmm. so she had a stressful environment that she had to go in and out of over the course of the day right so let's say uh, a work environment right and there were there were parts that we'd been working with in our sessions so that she was befriending those parts and everything but she wanted a way there are times at work where you can't just exit yourself and go do some no. parts work or go do some Feldenkrais work. Right.
0: Yeah. I, I imagine a teacher right now, someone who's in front of the class of like 30 there you children go. can't leave. You can't. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. So, so what we did was this is, this is helping her connect with her parts, but we went in through the body. And so I was like, okay, so notice, like, if you offer some flexion in your spine, like, where does that come from? We worked on like tilting her pelvis so that she was like sort of curved in the slump and then moving her pelvis so that it would bring her upright, not in a like stand up straight where people wrench their shoulders up, which is not actually how we stand up straight, but to, to shift her pelvis so that it naturally just brought her, her chest up and gave her this sense of dignity. Right. And Mm. worth, and just like, like take a breath in and sort of give yourself that um, a little bit of a, a curve, like bringing the chin close to the chest, and then as you exhale, rolling the pelvis so that the the belly moves forward a bit and the chest comes up, and suddenly you're taller and you feel like, wow, I have confidence now. And that was a way for her to communicate to her parts, "I'm here," mm-hmm. and. I've got you like, this is a stressful environment and I'm here and I'm uh, offering you confidence and courage. And her parts knew it because there was, there was that shape in the body.
0: It is amazing how simply standing tall, letting your chest kind of be open yeah it does change yeah. how you feel I remember when I went through um, breathing therapy and uh-huh. my therapist was looking at the way I was like breathing when I was walking just trying to get as another way to turn down that danger signal yeah and he yeah. made me stand up straight and walk standing up straight for the first time and i <laughs> so simple but I balled my eyes out yeah standing up straight I was like I haven't done this in years and I didn't even know that I was like yeah. walking around like all hunched over
1: like, yeah. it was just
0: it made me cry <laughs> so yeah I was, I was sobbing. So yeah I up straight mm.
1: and that um that can be explored in journaling or you know uh with a therapist or coach or in meditation that just yeah what is that sense of worth that changes as Um, as we just just shift in our bodies like that, Mm,
0: it's amazing. Yeah, Yeah. there we go—the mind-body connection,
1: (laughs) right? Mind-body connection, yeah. yeah. And so, at that point, am I offering her Feldenkrais or am I offering her IFS? You know, like I don't know which one it is. It's a blend, yeah. Yeah,
0: dude, they just blended like yeah.
1: They're just the same to me in that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's bringing curiosity and um, um, offering this befriending, um, uh, loving uh, attention to the, the parts of us. And yeah, and that brings down the danger signal. And, um, and then the, the parts say, oh, <laughs> that back pain isn't needed because you're listening to me now. You're listening to me when I say you're taking on too much, you know, and you're not giving yourself a chance to celebrate your successes or, or take time to yourself or whatever it might be like when our parts really feel listened to, then, then perhaps it's not necessary to um, protect us with With these different chronic issues.
0: Mm, I love that because it always is. It's like, okay, you have these chronic issues, but what is it that's under that? Yeah. What is it that's, or even in behavioral patterns you might have that Uh can cause some chaos in your relationships or in your lives? It's like, okay, what is the purpose of that? What is under that? What is that protecting you from? Because there's always something underneath that. Yeah. And it can be liberating it goes back to in order to do what you want you have to know what you do
1: yep that's it
0: so why yeah yeah, why are you doing that
1: yeah and the beautiful thing about um befriending parts is you can just ask them Mm. you just ask them (laughs) like wow i'm really noticing a lot of headachy uh, stuff coming on right now. Can, do you want to talk about that? Do you want to? Should I give you some journaling time? Do you want to let me know? I'm just so curious about uh, about what feels necessary right now about bringing on headache symptoms. If you want to talk about it, I'm here.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And in the meantime, I'm just gonna offer you some calming breath and let you know that you are valuable to me and that this part of me that really doesn't like the fact that you create migraines i'm i'm going to um, offer some comfort to that part too just so you know Mm. yeah so the whole system knows that you care (laughs) and that you you want to listen Um, but but yeah in order to do what you want you need to know what you do and these parts can tell you what they do. <laughs> you know, they're like, Oh my God, you care. You want to know <laughs> you're asking, this is great. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah. So that's how these two things uh, that, that might seem like disparate modalities really just uh, for me feel like one in the same and all in the Yeah. And the ways of, of helping people with chronic symptoms. And, um, so I'm, I'm putting together, uh, a a class that will, will happen sometime in early 2023 is going to be the first iteration of it. Um, that will be offering people who already are clear that they, um, they don't have any doubt about their mind body symptoms like they know that that's what's going on mm. they're they're not presenting with like is this TMS
0: <laughs> it's the first stage doubt yeah. and then it could also be the 10th yeah. stage too maybe it it's so <laughs> and, important and, the, to... and the you know comes yeah. Up over,
1: yeah over and over and it's so important to go through that stage right it's so important to come to to a determination of like all right, so I've seen a medical doctor, and I've had tests run, and I know that there is nothing life-threatening going on, and I've been assured that I'm not doing anything dangerous by by walking with these sore hips or whatever it might be, mm-hmm. and and so that's an important first stage. But uh, this class will be for people who um, are are already clear about their mind-body symptoms, that that's what they're dealing with. But what they would like is to explore these aspects of self-energy
0: mm-hmm.
1: as a way to help continue to turn down the danger signal. Right. So mm-hmm. that's that's what that's going to be about. Coming so- up.
0: If people want to get in contact with you, get in touch with you, will you be running more of those?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I gonna. Mean, the- yeah, I'm, I'm putting the class together right now. Um, I'm uh, bouncing some of the curriculum off of some uh, advisors and mentors and we'll uh, be sending um, out registration info in the, in the next, I don't know, maybe six weeks or so. And so if people want to be alerted to that, they can go to my website, creativesomatics.com and just sign up for the sign up for the newsletter, basically, which is, uh, I'll just let people know about the class. So mm. I, uh, I currently am not taking new clients, but, um, you know, I have a, a wait list, and so that's not particularly, um, that's not the the easiest avenue right now if people want to work with me personally Um, but you never know there's always you know there's always uh, Mm. time in the future that's possible but um, but mostly I'm trying to uh, open up to more folks by offering these classes so Mm.
0: yeah yeah this podcast might go up it'll be up a little bit later so by then it'll definitely all be sort of in the works for people so jump on the website have a look see what um, yeah Suzanne yeah i'll be yeah i'll to, be offering yeah.
1: it yeah a number of times during during the year so whenever people happen to run into this podcast then just go to creativesomatics.com and and uh, sign up to be notified of whatever uh classes are are coming up
0: perfect well thank you so much i think that's a great ending. thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your Ooh. understanding experience and for introducing me and i'm sure many listeners to i've written it down hang on Feldenkrais that we the feldenkrais <laughs> yeah.
1: Method. yeah exactly yeah and um yeah if people go to my uh uh web page also there is a you know more information on the feldenkrais method there there are some sample lessons on the the resource page and some places where they can go and um and learn more so yeah
0: mm-hmm. i'd really encourage people to do that sort of attending to your body in ways getting befriending your body that was so vital for me so it's really yeah yeah you know particularly if you know you have an issue if you can't for me it was like I could not scan through my body like it just mm-hmm. am so scared felt so too really, dangerous yeah yeah, yeah. it yeah. can be really really important actually to do that sort of work
1: yeah Good. Well, great. Thank you so much for having me and for doing the work to help, uh, yeah, get the word out for, oh. for folks that, that, yeah, we don't have to, we don't have to live with these chronic symptoms that they're a, a way in really to learning more about ourselves and how to treat ourselves kindly.
0: Mm, certainly. And yeah, it's been such a great conversation. <laughs> I think it's been really good. I've really enjoyed myself. So
1: thank you. Thanks so much. All right.